Praise God. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to read in just a moment out of Jeremiah chapter 17. So you could start to find your way there. Jeremiah chapter 17. You know, as I was growing up, I remember uh, an instance in, in um, a little a game that, that uh, was played. And I must have been maybe seven or eight years old. But uh, we had a family gathering. And uh, they had my older cousins, they put everyone in the house, and they had this game set up outside, but no one could know what it was. So uh, when they brought us out, when it was our turn, we were blindfolded. And the, the game was is that they had said that there was, uh, there was a pallet there on the floor, and it had these, um, you know, these stakes that were, that were running through it. So what they were going to do, as far as the game went, is blindfolded, you were going to stand on this pallet, and there were going to be four of them, and they were going to lift the pallet up while you were standing on it. So you had to balance Right? Uh, we weren't too concerned about safety back then, but, but you're blindfolded standing on a pallet while they're lifting it up. So they were lifting it up, and at, at the right moment, they told you, okay, time to jump off. Right? And blindfolded, I mean, you would think maybe they'd lift it up maybe knee height or so. Uh, they told you to jump off. So it was time to jump off, and I remember it was my turn. And in my mind, as I was blindfolded, I was thinking that I was maybe yay high off the ground. So you jump. I jumped off, and in reality, they never even lifted the pallet up. So I, I, I fall on the floor, I fall on my knees, because in my mind, I was imagining that I was elevated off the ground. And it was all in my mind, it was all in my imagination. What they were doing while you were standing on the pallet, they were just shaking it a little bit, but in your mind, you were thinking, okay, they're lifting me up, but in reality, you were just, I was just on the ground. And it was all in my imagination how how many of us have our minds ever played tricks on us can you say amen through different situations i remember another instance where years ago uh we had a youth outing and i was i was the one driving and we had and this was when i was in palm Springs, so we had went all the way to magic mountain and from here, Magic Mountain is a hike, but imagine from Palm Springs. So uh, the youth wanted to stay there. They wanted to close the place down. I was thinking, like, let's get out of here at a certain hour so we can get home at a certain hour. But, of course, you know, we didn't go there that often, so you're thinking, I'm going to get my money's worth. So we stood until the place closed down. And I remember driving back, and as the hours went on, as we, as we you know, got, uh, were getting closer to home, uh, I was just getting very tired. And I remember, and I don't know why it was this, but as I was driving, it was nighttime, it was dark. As, as, as you know, when you're driving and you're tired, you're getting hypnotized by these white lines. And I thought I was seeing tumbleweeds right in front of the, in front of the van. But there were no tumbleweeds. But my mind, my eyes were playing tricks on me. Why? Because I was tired. It was my imagination, and it was taking me somewhere. And how many know that in life, we all face situations and trials. We all... Uh, deal with circumstances that we face. We know there are issues of life. I mean, the Bible even says in Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out it spring the issues of life. There are issues that we face, circumstances that we all face. Maybe this morning, uh, before you got into church, maybe there was an issue, a circumstance, maybe even a trial that you had to deal with before you came into the house of God, but here you are. And what's important is the way that we interpret these trials, these issues, these situations, it'll make all the difference in our lives. It'll determine the decisions that we make, the things that we, that we do, the way we interpret these situations based on maybe our upbringing or our past experiences 
our past hurts and pains. It'll affect our decisions. And sometimes, church, if we're not careful, we can be in danger of making decisions based off our earthly senses. See, in that instance I talked about that game, I was blindfolded, so my sight was taken away. And sometimes we make important decisions based on our, our five senses, our earthly senses, if I, if I can call them that. And what are the five senses? Well, there's sight, right, our seeing. There's hearing, five senses. There's taste, touch, and smell. And there's a sixth sense if you're a fan of Bruce Willis and Haley Joel Osment. You know what that means, right? But five senses. But how many know there's a spiritual realm? Can you say amen? There are things that are unseen that, we, that, are, that affect our lives. There is a spiritual realm. In Ephesians 6.12, the Bible says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There is a spiritual realm all around us. The things that we face, that we encounter, they start and they begin in the spiritual so church, believer, we must determine to correctly, according to God's word, see, hear, and touch life's issues. Now, it all ties into perspective, and perspective, the definition is this, a particular attitude toward any way of regarding something, a point of view. We all have a perspective. A situation that you encounter and that you face in your life, you may have a different perspective than I do based on your upbringing and based on what you've gone through. So here we go. We're going to read Jeremiah 17, verse 5 through 8, and then we're going to pray. And I, in saying this, I want to minister a message entitled, Perspective, Heavenly or Earthly? Jeremiah 17, 5. The Bible says this. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, verse 6, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. In verse 7, blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spread out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Praise God. Pray with me this morning as we bow our heads. Father, we're so grateful, Lord, to come into your presence, God. We're thankful, Lord, for all that you've done in our lives and all that you are doing. Father, we know that you have promises, God, in store for us, Lord. We know that you have many great things plan for us, Father God, and we have a responsibility to fulfill uh, your plan and in in will in our lives on this earth, Father God, and I pray that you would help us. Guide us. Holy Spirit, teach us, Lord, and let us walk out of here different, Father God. Let us not rely on the flesh. Let us not rely on the physical, but rather on the spiritual, on the Holy Spirit, God, that you would continue to guide us, Father. Lord, we're so thankful and grateful for all that you're doing. We ask in Jesus' name. We all say, Amen. Amen. Now, we have to understand that when it comes to senses, there is more than meets the eye. Now, if you have your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 6. Let's turn there. 2 Kings 6, verse 15. Now, 
there's this passage here, and this was the, with the prophet Elisha, and I want to lay a little groundwork. We're going to read a couple verses here, but before this, the king of Aram was at war with God's people, the children of Israel, okay? He was at war with Israel, the king of Aram. And whenever he would try to besiege or he would try to approach Israel, the prophet Elisha, God's prophet, would tell the king of Israel ahead of time, hey, this is what the king of Aram is trying to do. This is where he's going to show up. This is his strategy. So God was using Elisha to speak to the, the king of Israel, and, and this king of Aram, his tactics, his strategies would always, they'd fall flat on their face because he was exposed by the, by the Holy Spirit. So Elisha was giving the king of Israel all this, this strategy and telling him and exposing the enemy. And when the king of Aram found this out, he was very upset, obviously. So he tries to tell his people to go capture Elisha so that he could wipe him out, take him out of the game so that he can, again, besiege Israel. So Elisha was at a, a, a place, a town called Dotham. So in the morning there, Elisha is there, the prophet, with his servant. And the king, this king of Aram told him, go get Elisha, go wipe him out, go capture him so that we can accomplish our campaign against Israel. So here in the morning in 2 Kings 6.15, the Bible says this, When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will, we, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha in verse 16. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than are on theirs. See, here the servant of Elisha was looking at the physical. He was looking at the situation in the physical realm. But Elisha, as a man of God, he saw beyond. He saw according to the spiritual. And he told his servant, don't be afraid. You may see horses and chariots and the circumstance looks dire. It looks like death is at our doorstep. But while the servant was worried and he was afraid, the man of God saw something else. He saw in the spiritual then Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. We're talking about the senses, right? There's more than meets the eye. Open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord stuck, struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Believer, we have to live by faith. We can't look at life's circumstances according to just the physical. See, sometimes it ends right there. When we get bad news, when we get a bad report, we think that, that our end has come, that all is said and done, and now that our destruction is nigh. But here, as Elisha prayed to God that he would open the, the servant's eyes, he then saw what was really happening and I tell you, believer, brother and sister, that in the spiritual there's so much taking place, but sometimes we're just here on earth and we're just functioning according to our earthly senses. But God calls us to live according to the spiritual. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? This morning God's called us to live by faith. We shouldn't be just subject to, to what we see in the physical. That's what the unbelievers do. See, we're believers, we're Christ followers, right? We live by faith. 
We're supposed to see things according to God's word. We're supposed to trust in God. That's what we're supposed to do. But sometimes, sometimes it's challenging. Perhaps we face situations at work that are challenging. When we're saying, God, I I thought you were doing this. God, I thought you promised me this. But it looks like the situation is going completely the opposite direction. What's going on? Perhaps at school, you're facing some challenges. Perhaps in family or in relationships, you're facing some challenges. You've, you've been praying for somebody for so long, and, and you think, and we think according to the natural, that because you pray for someone, things are supposed to get better, and in the long haul, it will. But how many know that God is working underneath? God is working in the invisible. God is working on the heart. God is moving in ways that we don't understand many times. Most of the time, we don't understand it. That's where faith comes in. See, there's more than meets the eye. Perhaps you're here and you're, you're in inner turmoil. You're going through some situations that are real tough. They're, they're weighing on you. But believer, be encouraged that there is more than meets the eye, that if we trust in God, if we hold fast to his word, we can know that there's going to be victory for us in the end. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. The enemy will tell you, why wow, you don't see anything happening, Nothing's changing, throw in the towel, give it up. It's not worth it. It's not worth your tears. It's not worth your pain. The enemy would love to lie to us and have us believe that lie. But understand that we as believers, that's what sets us apart from unbelievers, that we have to walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we live by believing and not by seeing. Isn't that true? We live by believing, not by seeing. Not just by seeing, not just by our physical sight, our physical sense. We live by faith. If you get a bad report, you have to run that through the Word of God. You have to filter it through the Word of God because as unbelievers do, when they get a bad report, then they're done, that's it, and they throw in the towel. But God has called us to live by faith. What news have you gotten recently that just has broken your heart, has wrecked your world, has torn you apart? What news was it? I'll tell you, it didn't didn't take God by surprise. God still has a plan of peace for you and your family. God still has a promise. His promises for your life are still yea and amen. For we live by believing and not by seeing. There's more than meets the eye. Listen to this scripture in Psalms 91 verse 1. Please mark this down. Highlight it in your Bible. Make a note. Psalms 91 verse 1. We're talking about living by faith. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust in him. I trust in him. I have to get information perhaps from what the doctors say to help me live my life and help me do things that are going to correct, but, but he is my God, and I trust in him. I don't trust in anyone else, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from the deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. This is good stuff, isn't it? He will, sh- he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Don't be afraid for the, uh, of the terrors of the night, nor of the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. These evils will not touch you, church. We have to believe that. We have to receive God's word in our life each and every day. That passage is for you. That's your promise. That's my promise. There is more than meets the eye. 
What about Moses, Exodus chapter 14? I love this passage as we prepare to turn there. Please find your way there, Exodus 14. Let me give you the setting here with the children of Israel. They were living in slavery under the hand of Pharaoh for hundreds of years. But God used Moses to, to set them free. So we understand Bible school and we understand the story, Sunday school, there, the plagues came, Pharaoh had a hard heart and he was, he was struggling, he was fighting from letting the people of Israel go. But then he decides, okay, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. Go ahead and go, Moses. Take them. Leave. So they leave. They're on their way to freedom. They're on their way to the promised land. They leave Egypt. They leave the, the hand of bondage and slavery, and they're free, and they're, they're headed towards the promised land. But Pharaoh has a change of heart. He has a change of mind. So he gets all his, his warriors. He gets all his army, and they start to give chase to the people of Israel. So the people of Israel are running. They're running away. And then what do they encounter? The Red Sea. They encounter a physical bar barrier that by naturally speaking, there is no way to cross it in time to be saved from the enemy. So in front of them, they're stuck. There's nowhere for them to progress. Physically speaking, there's nowhere for them to go. And behind them, what's going on behind them? Well, the, the enemy's coming behind them. They're chasing them. So they're stuck. They're trapped. Here are the children of Israel. God had given them a promise that they were going to inherit the promised land, but here, here we see that there's destruction, that there's nowhere to go forward, there's nowhere to go back. Physically speaking, according to their senses, they were done. And again, that's how it is in our lives sometimes, right? When we deal in the, in the physical, when we just function in the physical, when we get news, and I, and I don't make light of bad news, I don't make light of, of medical news that, that we're having to struggle with, or emotional things, or family things, I don't make light of that. But understand, there is more than meets the eye that you and I, church, we have a promise. We have a God that loves us. We have a God that will make a way where there is no way. You see where I'm getting at? We're talking about the Red Sea, right? God will, will part the waters when physically speaking, it's impossible. But God can do it. So listen to this. And this is to anyone that has ever felt trapped Anyone that's ever felt like there's nowhere to go, that you can't go forward, you can't go back, you're trapped. Exodus 14, 12. Here's what the children of Israel say. They're saying this to Moses. Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. You get that? God's wanting to take them to freedom, but they're just saying, leave us alone. That, that's what they're feeling. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Isn't that good news? Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians, here's some more good news. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. This is, this is the word of God for our lives, church. The things that you're struggling with, the things that you've been dealing with, that you've been, that you've been fighting with. The Lord's saying, don't be afraid. Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The, Egyptian, the Egyptians, brother and sister, you could replace that word Egyptians with anything that you're facing. Any hang up, any trial, any vice, any circumstance that you feel that has control over your life. In Jesus' name, it will be broken. So you fill in the blank. The Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. There's more than meets the eye. 
There's more than meets the eye. What are you going through this morning? What has caused you to feel discouraged, to, to lose hope? In Christ, there's hope. There's hope for your life. There's hope for your situation. It may look impossible there, that situation at work or in your family or, or perhaps it's ministry related. It may look impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Believer, we can't forget the things that we learned when we first got saved, that with God, all things are possible, that God is a God of the impossibility. He can make something where there was nothing. He could, he could create. God is all-powerful. We have to believe that. And I know sometimes it's easier to believe that for someone else, where it's easier for us to minister that to someone else. But what about our own lives and what we're dealing with? It's real for you, for your situation. Believe God. And I love this story here as we're still in Exodus 14, 12, because it's twofold. One, Moses is saying, and, and this is, when I think of this story, this is what I go to. Watch, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But let's look what the Lord says in the, in, the, in the next verse. This is something I think sometimes it's easy to forget. See, in verse 14, it ended. It said, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Done. Done deal. Period. That's it. I'm, I'm good with that. And that's good news. But look in verse 15. Let's read one more verse. And this makes all the difference. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Right? Don't just stay here. Get moving. It's time to step up. It's time to, to move on. God is saying, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. I, I hear God is a commander in chief of the people of Israel right here. He's saying, yes, you can cry out to me, but it's time to move. It's time to go forward. I'm going to make the way move. Get up and go. It's time to move. And believer, that is a word for someone in this place. You've been praying to God to do some powerful things. You've been praying for God for some miracles, and he's ready to do it. But what is he telling you? It's time to get up and move. It's time to do something about it. Activate it with your faith. Activate it with your action. Activate it with you taking that first step. Perhaps you're believing God for a promotion. Perhaps you're believing God for something. You have not because you ask not. That applies to any, anything we're going through. You have not because you ask not. Perhaps you're, you're waiting for forgiveness. You have not because you're, you ask not. Maybe that means forgiveness with Christ. Maybe it means forgiveness in a relationship. You have not because you ask not. Take the first step. That's faith. That's faith. I know it's comfortable sometimes. It would have been comfortable for the children of Israel to just stay there, to just stay there and let God pick them up and just, just carry them physically. But God said, I'm going to make the way, but you need to take the first step. It's time for you to get moving. Believer, perhaps you've been believing God for something, and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting. God is saying today, it's time to get up and move. Take that first step. Take that first step. Perhaps it relates to ministry. Perhaps it's a next step at work. Perhaps it's a step of forgiveness. Perhaps it's a phone call. Perhaps it's a visit. You fill in the blank. What is that first step, that next step that God wants you to take? It's time to get moving. There's more than meets the eye. Talking about our senses, there's sight that we just dealt with. Now what about godly perspective and what we hear? Second sense, what we hear. Now there's a story in Genesis 22. This was Abraham. And we understand the story of Abraham as you turn your Bibles to Genesis 22. We're going to read a, a couple verses there in a moment. Abraham was, was obedient. God called him. And, and the Bible tells us that he was obedient so much that he left 
and he departed his, his home and, and his country that he knew and that was familiar into a, a home and a place that, that he didn't even know where he was going, but he knew that he had to depart and take that first step. Abraham was a man of faith. We talked about him here in our Heroes of Faith series in our midweek services. He was obedient and leaving home to go and follow God's calling in his life. He took his family, everyone with him, his family, he took everything, and he made that first step, and he went out. And Abraham and Sarah, they were believing God for, for children, and we understand the story that they were up there in age. And through the chapters, we see that there was Hagar, and there was, there was Sarah, and and. And God promised them to have a child, but they were, so, they were so old in age, so it would have had to have been a miracle. So as the story goes on, I'm, I'm, I'm summarizing this thing. God gives Abraham and Sarah the promise, and Isaac is born, their, their son, their beloved son. Their promise. Could you imagine that, that they're in their old age, a promise. Man, God gave them a son, such a miracle. So they probably were just head over heels, and they were joined the family. They were joined everything that God was, was doing. But listen in Genesis 22, talking about hearing something that just doesn't make sense. Verse 1, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Listen to verse 2, take your son. Your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Man, how God put that phrase. He may have just said, just take your son and go and do what I'm gonna, we're going to read here in a minute, what I'm going to tell you to do. But your son that you love so much, his only son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you, goodness, makes no sense. Physically speaking, imagine God telling you this. Imagine you hearing this. Guaranteed, anyone you ask, they would think that you're crazy and that there's no way that this is God's voice. Go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, what did Abraham do? It's faith, crazy faith. The next morning, Abraham got up early he saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Can you imagine what inner turmoil Abraham was going through? Three days. It wasn't like God just told him and then there was the altar and okay, done, let's get this over with. It was three days. Imagine everything he was struggling with inside. Has God ever gave us a command or told us something? And, and it seems like it's an eternity that, God, I know you're telling me to do this thing. God, help me. I'm trying to be obedient. And time is just going on. And time is passing. And Abraham was in this exact situation. Stay here with the donkey in verse 5. Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there. And then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders when he carried, when, while he, and, and little did Isaac know, right, he's carrying this wood so that he can be the sacrifice, but little did he know, while he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, you hear the love, you hear the love here. Abraham replied, uh, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. 
Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. And the story goes on, and Abraham's just about to sacrifice his son. As the Lord calls it, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, his beloved son. Abraham picked up the knife in verse 10 to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham! Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horn in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham called the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So here was Abraham. His faith was tested. And let's not again remember that this was God's promise to Abraham, the promise of his seed to multiply. But God asked him to sacrifice something that was near and dear to his heart. You know what's beautiful about this story is God will never ask us to do something that he didn't already do. Here I look at the verbiage here in verse 2. Take your son, your only son. Do we remember John 3.16 where God gave his son, his only begotten son, to die for us, right? So here was God telling Abraham, but God's not telling him to do something that he wouldn't and wasn't already going to do himself. See, Abraham had to live by faith. Sometimes we hear God's word and we're saying, God, did I hear you correctly? Lord, you're, saying, you're telling me to forgive. Did I hear you correctly? Lord, I, I, I heard you say submit to authority. Did, do, you, do you know their personality, Lord? Do you know how, how they're, they're treating me? But Lord, you're telling me to submit Lord, you're telling me to serve. Do you remember how I felt or when I was betrayed or when I was hurt when I was serving? But God, you're telling me to still serve, to still have a servant's heart, etc., etc. What is God telling you that doesn't make sense but according to his word? It's not as easy to swallow sometimes. But see, there's more than meets the eye. We have to have perspective in what we hear. We can't lean on our own understanding. What if Abraham was leaning on his own understanding. What if? What if he never had that faith to take him to that stage? The entire nation of Israel, the Jewish nation, all blessed. Why? Because of Abraham's faith. Little did Abraham know, I believe, the power that that one decision would make. His obedience, his faith, his ability, his spiritual ability to say yes to the Lord when God asked him to do something. His mind couldn't comprehend, his feelings, his body, his family, his friends. No one could comprehend, but he understood that God had given him a command and he had to be obedient to it. What is God challenging you with this morning? That on the surface just doesn't make sense according to your, your sense of hearing. But according to God's word, in the spiritual, in your spirit, you understand why God's telling you to do that. For his kingdom, for his will. We can't lean on our own understanding. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 verse 8, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. 
God's ways are higher. If God is instructing you to do it, believer, be obedient. Let's do it. Let's take that step of faith. Let's hear what the Lord's telling us and be obedient. He understands the end of all things. He understands why he's telling you that. He understands what he wants to, to bless in your life. He understands how he wants to just open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing in your life. But you have to be obedient. We have to live by faith. Giving. Meeting a need financially. Tithing. Right? How does that make sense? By subtracting that we're going to get more? That doesn't make sense in the, in the physical. It doesn't make sense at all. But God telling us to be faithful in your tithes and offerings, give to me, and I will, I will give to you. As you release, I will supply. In the natural, that doesn't make sense. If you're going to have addition in your life, you just add, 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 and then that's how it works. But in the spiritual, there's addition by subtraction. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand how God's going to do it. I don't understand how God's going to meet the need in my life, but I understand that he's told me to be faithful in my tithes and my offerings. That's it. Matt, be faithful. Be faithful in that, and God will do the rest. It's his business how he's going to meet the need, how he's going to fulfill that promise in your life. He understands. That's God's realm. That's God's way of working. All he's asked us to do is to be obedient and to live by faith. Live by faith. It's not always going to make sense. We can't always go by our senses, but we have to live by faith. You know, talking, and I, I, I'm blessed because I could, talk, I could talk about this now, but there was a time in my life, and in, in the area of, of forgiveness, there was a time in my life and my upbringing, things I saw as a child, where I had a lot of unforgiveness in, in my heart, in my life. And, and my, 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 my dad's watching, I pray he is, Pop, I love you, and, and man, God's done so much, and, and I could say that, I, that I'm restored in, in my my forgiveness with, with my family and things I saw as a, as a kid and with my, my dad. And I remember as a, as a teenager, as an early believer, I was struggling with some things in my heart. And I was serving God, mind you, okay? I was, I was saved. I was on fire. I was serving God. But there was something that I was struggling with in my heart that, that was holding me back, and it was an area of, of forgiveness. I've forgiven everyone else, but there was just one person in my life that, that because, because I, was, I was hurt, and indeed I was hurt, it was true. I was hurt. I was, I was offended. I was hurt because of things that I saw. And, and I had some unforgiveness, and I was struggling with this. And I remember as a teenager going to my pastor and telling him, I'm struggling with this thing. Man, I'm angry. I, I, I'm angry with him because of the things I saw, the things that I experienced. And talk about getting news that, that doesn't make sense, you know. I mean, you would think that, man, you're... Pastor's on your side, and he's going to encourage you. Patrick, just keep praying about it. God will take that away. But you know what he told me? As a young believer, as a teenager, my pastor, he said, Matt, he said, you're the Christian. You need to forgive. You need to forgive. But I was the one that was hurt. I was the one that was offended. I was the one that was, that was the victim in this situation. I grew up seeing these things, and I didn't ask for it. In my own eyes, I was justified. I'm the one that should be sought after for me to forgive someone. They should come to me. You know, my dad should come to me and say, Mio, will, will you forgive me? And again, I, I say this because I could talk about it now because God has freed me. And, and, and if, when I see my dad, it's, it's great. It's like no time was lost. And, and it's, it's just it's the restoration that God has done in, in my heart. But he told me, 
you're the Christian, you need to forgive. This is what God calls us to do, to forgive. I was hurt. I'm the one that's the victim here. Doesn't matter. You need to forgive. And from that day on, I'll tell you what, that God touched my life. God, God worked supernaturally in my heart in that area. See, if I had been waiting for that day, maybe that day will never come. I don't know, but I know that I had the power at that moment, at that time, to make a decision. And what happened? I was set free because I made that decision. It didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense. But in the obedience of Christ, I made a decision, and I'm free for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And God works through that. Perhaps it doesn't make sense, but God, according to his word, is saying, take that step and do it. It may not be easy. I'll work through it. God will bless you. God wants to bless us above and beyond. We have to hear his voice. Second Chronicles 7.14, talking about hearing, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will restore their land. So hear the Lord saying, if my people if will humble ourselves and pray, he says, then I will hear. God's hearing will be open. Why? Because his people are seeking him. See, we can't always trust in our senses and what we see and what we hear. And uh, worship team, if you could please make your way up this morning. And lastly, I want to close here with a story. I had another sense, but it, we're, we're running out of time here. And I want, to, I want to move on to this here. We talked about seeing we talked about hearing. And lastly, there's the sense of taste. Now, there's a simple, sinful appetite that we all have when we, run, when we run after sin, right? We know what it is to be carnal, to chase after sin. We know that. We're honest with ourselves. But what happens when we chase after sin and that sinful appetite, we're just chasing our tail. We think that we're going to be fulfilled but we're emptied every day as we chase sin we're getting nowhere see the natural would say that do what feels good what feels good to you what tastes good to you go after it do what you will if it tastes good go for it if it feels good to you go for it that's what the world says but the bible says in psalms 34 8 taste and see that the lord is good or the joys of those who take refuge in him. Taste and see. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've been chasing after sin, you've been doing it your own way, and if you're honest with yourself, you feel empty. It should be no surprise because sin doesn't fill us up. Sin is false. It's just a temporary high. It's a temporary feeling of, of fulfillment and goodness, but at the end of it, we're empty. See, but on the contrary, someone that does not believe in the word of God would say, man, how are you going to obey the laws of God and the commands, all the things that God says? Man, what a bummer. That's what the world would say. What a bummer it is, man. People say, oh, I look through the word of God. It's just rules and things that you should do and not do, do's and don'ts, and, and I don't want to live my life like that. You may have been in that place before. But listen, we don't go by sight talking about the sense of, of taste now. Psalms 19, verse 7, the Bible says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The 
decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. This is good stuff this morning. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. Amen. It'll bring joy to your heart to be obedient to God. It'll bring joy to your heart to adhere to the laws of God, to serve God according to His Word. The commands of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. I need that in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. It's fair. It's all fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey. Amen. How many know that, that sin and consuming sin, it gives us an upset stomach, right? It causes us to, to do things that, and live ways that we don't want to live. But the Bible says here about the laws of God, they're, they're sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. Doesn't that sound good? We're nearing lunchtime here, y'all. Dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. Isn't that good news this morning? I want to be free, free from guilt, innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That is the truth of the laws of God. How good that sounds. It sets us free. It sets us in a place of living life with joy, with freedom, with peace, with happiness, with no condemnation. We're able to live life as God's called us to live life. And it's not just because a bunch of rules are thrown on us. God does it for our behalf, on our behalf, for our benefit, for our well-being. He wants you to enjoy your day. He wants you to enjoy your, your job. He wants you to enjoy your family. He wants you to enjoy the gifts he gives you. You know, the Bible says that it's a gift of God to enjoy the, the fruit of your labor. The money that you make there at your job, it, it, it gives them pleasure to see you enjoy that. Yes, enjoy it. According to the laws of God, enjoy all that he's given you. But see, when we run away from this and we start to do it our way and we enter into the realm of sin, there we are in bondage. There we are waking up after a fun evening, Friday night or Saturday, you know, hugging the toilet because your body isn't agreeing to this fun that you're doing. It's obvious. As I close here, talking about not going by the senses, perhaps as we transition into our altar call this morning, perhaps you're in this place and you feel, according to your senses, that you have no business being even here in church, perhaps. Perhaps you're watching online and you haven't stepped foot in church because you feel that you've gone so far and you've done so much wrong that I can't even come into God's house. I can't even stand to face the presence of God or the people of God because you feel that there's so much condemnation. That's the senses. It's the physical sense. The physical realm. Physically speaking, if you've done wrong, right, if you've offended someone, then they're going to put you on the shine. That's the physical sense. But how many know we thank God that we serve a gracious God, right? A God that doesn't always make sense, and, and most of the time in a good way. But while we offended him, while we didn't consider him, while he came to die for us, we were the ones crucifying him there on the cross. We were the ones hammering those nails through his wrists and his feet by us committing our sins. So naturally speaking, God should just turn his back on us. 
He could say, I'm holy, but you're not holy. Get out of my sight. And some in this place feel that way because of your offenses, because of the, the sins that you've committed. But listen to this awesome story. And we touched on this in our midweek service recently, but I want to just share it. It's, it's a story of the prodigal son. And talk about a father doing something that just surprised his son. There's a story here. This man, he had, I'll summarize it, he had two sons. One of his sons was faithful, was there with him. The other son wanted to take his inheritance and go off and live his life. Take his inheritance and go and spend it. He got involved in partying and he just, he did everything that felt good to him. And he, and he wasted away his inheritance, his birthright that his father gave him. So his father, rightly so, should have been mad, right? Man, all that I had, I've bestowed it to you. And what did you do? You took it and you ran and you went out and lived a life. The Bible called it riotous living, partying, clubbing, everything that just felt good. Every sin that he could get into that just felt, everything that he could buy, he went for it and he did it 110%. But what happened? He ran out of money. He ran out of everything, all of his resources. And he was starving, and he was even considering going to feed right next to the pigs who were eating in the trough. He said, I'm so hungry, I'll just, I'll eat what they're eating. And he came to his senses, and he said, man, the, the lowest slave in my father's house, he's eating way better than even I am right now. So here's what I'm going to do. I'll just come back to my father, and I'll beg him, God, just let me, uh, Father, let me just be a, a servant in your house. I don't have to be your son anymore. I just, I want to be back in that place of comfort, of being, being in your home, and I'll be a servant till the day I die. I just want to eat something. I want to be in my right mind. Father, would you take me back in? Verse 20 of Luke 15, the Bible says, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. How do we think that story may have naturally ended? His father would have said, get out of here. You wasted everything that I gave you. Get out of here. You offended me. Get out of here. You're going to have no part in my home anymore. Put his foot down and told him to get out of here. But what happened in verse 20? His father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him talking about not going by the senses his son said to him father i've sinned against both heaven and you i'm no longer worthy of being called your son but his father said to his servants quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him he's treating him more like royalty isn't he get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've all been fattening we must celebrate with a feast verse 24 for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life he was lost and now he is found listen to what the end of this says here in the New Living's translation. So the party began. So the party began. My brother and my sister, perhaps you're in this place and you've been running away from God. You've been doing it your own way. God is just waiting for you to take, we talked about taking that first step. What's he gonna do? He's gonna run out to meet you. He's gonna run out to meet you so that he could celebrate. What does the Bible say? That there's rejoicing in heaven. There's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. That is the spiritual. That is the love and grace of God. That is what is going to take place when you make this decision this morning to return to Christ. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to shame you. He's not going to have you, you know, explain why you did all these wrong things, why you did that. He's just going to forgive you. And he's going to say, he's going to say, let the party begin. My son who was lost, my daughter who was lost. Now they're found. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that good news this morning? Let's give God praise in this place.
Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your truth, for your great mercy, Lord God. Hallelujah. If we could have every head bowed, every eye closed.